We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, Hornets fans, what's going on? Welcome into another episode of BuzzBeat. This episode will be a little bit shorter. Uh, We are just going to react to the NBA draft first round selection for the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, But just remember, we are a member of the Blue Wire Network. Just search BuzzBeat and or Blue Wire on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting app. Also, if you're enjoying the content, we'd also appreciate a five-star rating and review. It takes but one minute to do, and it does help us out a lot. So let's jump right into it. The Hornets selected with their 12th pick, sophomore out of Kentucky, P.J. Washington, 6'8", uh, 7'3", wingspan. He averaged 15.2 points, 7.5 rebounds, and 1.8 assists in his sophomore campaign. Uh, we've talked about this on previous episodes of BuzzBeat, but he made tremendous jumps in a lot of categories. A lot of statistical categories went up, uh, and that shows a lot on his end, kind of putting in that work and uh, you know improving on his weaknesses. So I just want to pass it around, just kind of your gut instinct, gut reaction that you had to the Hornets selecting P.J. Washington, considering everything that was going on and considering the players that, that were on the board. So, Brian, let, let's start with you. Thoughts on his game and kind of thoughts on the selection. Yeah, I like I like P.J. Uh, he would have, in terms of players that were available on the board, and we can have another conversation on, you know, what would have been the best case scenario for them to use the number 12 pick, uh, perhaps as a trade chip. But in terms of prospects that were available on the board, I, I would have had Brandon Clark uh, as the pick. But uh, P.J. Washington probably would have been my second option there. Uh, I think Washington is a totally competent, safe, perhaps boring pick. I mean, there's a lot of you know euphemisms we could use to describe it here. But I think it's fine. I think it she checks enough boxes. I think he adds some versatility. I think he can play a couple different positions. I, I sort of like the fit with Miles, even if there is a little bit of uh, redundancy and overlap. I, I think there's nothing wrong with having guys that can that are that are sort of like that size that can that can guard multiple positions. I, I like his three point shot. Not a ton, not a huge sample, but 1.4 points per possession on spot up, no dribble jump shots this season. He shot uh, close to 45% on threes in SEC play on 47 attempts, uh, close to 5% block rate. Uh, I think there's an ability in here for him to be solid on the wing defensively, perhaps even better than 
than Grant Williams, who was sort of one of his uh, facsimiles in this draft. Good post passer, again, similar to Grant Williams, too. And I just, I like that he showed a little bit of toughness this season, playing through injury at the end and, and coming back and playing strong for Kentucky. Uh, in this in the Sweet 16, in the Elite Eight, in, in a good game against Auburn that they had, but the guy got better across the board, and it wasn't that he just improved and and you know always oh, playing more, so therefore his you know his points and rebounds are going to go up. It was a little more it was a little more advanced than that. His usage rate increased by several percentage points too, and despite that, efficiency went up across the board as well, mm-hmm. including some sort of like key playmaking categories. Turnover rate dropped, assist rate up. Uh, effective shooting up and and yeah i just think he is a solid pick and one that makes sense in the nba and on this roster spencer i know that about a month ago you talked about pj washington being your guy did you cool off on him at all or you know as we approach the 12th pick is that is that who you wanted I thought that it, realistically at 12 for the hornets you know that that range that they were in that washington was the most complete player they could again realistically draft. That's what they landed on. Um, I, I contend, I, you know, contend that it was still the right pick. You know, I, I to answer your question, I cool off on it. Maybe a little bit. The more I dug in on Brandon Clark, and I think that you know BG was just kind of in talking about this. I mean, th- that guy just had such an incredible defensive impact on the game that you just get, maybe you take that and say, we know we have this. Now we can build something offensively, and now we have a really good NBA player. And, and and that that's a that's a thought and an idea. If I was in this situation, the Hornets were with Clark and PJ on the board. I'm really not quite sure what I would have done. I probably would have taken PJ, but I just think again, he's the most complete player that was left on the board um, at at a pretty decent age. I mean, you know, he, he's 20. He's, he's he'll be 21 during his rookie season. That's not super young. Also, not super old. You know, there's there's some room to develop him there without having to panic and feel like it needs to happen right away. But I also think that Washington's a guy who can come in uh, and play minutes next season for Charlotte, and I think that's important for this team, Is certainly if they intend to re-sign Kimball Walker. I mean, you just look at the improvement he made, he made last year. If I've said it once, I've said it 100 trillion times. I mean, he took 21 threes his freshman season. He took 78 last year. Shot 24% from behind the arc during his freshman season, almost 43% last year. You know, not his assist numbers aren't crazy, you know, a little shy of two per game, but he's shown flashes to have court awareness. He can hit the weak side out of doubles. You know, I think he has the ability to be a short roll guy. They can make a good decision in that little, in that, in that split second. You know, here's a scrambling defender. Uh, you know, the big is, is scrambling to get back to me. I think he has the capability of making a good decision, whether I dump it off to the dunker spot or I kick it weak side, you know, to the shooter. And his block numbers went up last year, which is interesting because he played less center, right? So during his freshman year, pretty mu- pretty much played for, uh, primarily center for Kentucky last year, plays more power forward, goes from 0.8 blocks during his freshman season to 1.2 last year. P.J. is not a shot blocker. I don't want to portray him like that, but he plays with great verticality. Um, you, you know, he always contests shots with two hands jumping straight up in the air. That is a vital skill for an undersized front court player in the NBA to have, which he is. Um, and, and again, I think he can defend threes, fours, and in small ball lineups, fives in the NBA. So you couple that with his potential playmaking ability in a short roll, you know, just screen and roll situation offensively, along with his um, ability to shoot the three 
which is going to allow him to also attack closeouts. I think there is a lot to build on with this prospect, and that's kind of what I've been clamoring on all along with P.J. Washington. Yeah, I think my gut reaction, um, and I, I stated this on, on a previous podcast, that I kind of wanted to swing for the fences and, and go for like Kevin Porter Jr., uh, but I, I cooled off on him as, as the, the weeks and the months went on. Uh, he was definitely not my go-to choice, uh, Kevin Porter Jr., that is, as we approached that 12th pick. And I kind of talked myself into players like P.J. Washington and Brandon Clark who have skills right away they're going to translate, and you know what you're going to get with them. I wasn't ecstatic about the pick with P.J. Washington, but I I totally understand it. Um, He's a player that's going to come in right away and and fill in some gaps, and he's going to have some translatable skills. I do still have question marks about his athleticism, especially if he's going to transition to a player that can play outside on the perimeter, especially in today's game uh, where it's becoming a little bit more perimeter-oriented. But I will say, I think, Brian, you've mentioned this a lot, I do like his fit next to Miles Bridges. I think they're very switchable on the defensive end, on the offensive end. Uh, One can take the three, one can take the four, and you flip-flop just depending on who the matchup is. Brian, let me ask you this question. You did say that you would prefer Clark or you might have preferred Clark over P.J. Washington. Any specific reason why or anything about Clark's game that you're like, okay, this is kind of what who I want on the Hornets and this is why I prefer him over P.J. Washington? I just think Brandon Clark it's – a, it's a good question. And I just think Brandon Clark in terms of his feel and awareness on both ends of the court is special. And I think the kind of impact that he could have had – defensively for Charlotte is his stocks numbers block steals historically high and some of the the highlight impact plays he had were were really special he was you know outside of Zion he was as good in terms of production at the rim at both ends of the floor this season and in terms of sort of like jaw dropping highlight plays I mean he Zion was in his own category and Brandon Clark may have been in his own second tier category uh, below Zion and I just think while, yes, the shot was an issue, and as Spencer said earlier, I think on the buzzcast he's, he's 23 already, I think the shot would have come. And I just think there's so many things that that guy can do in terms of grab and go, pick and roll, playmaker in space offensively. I thought there was some upside to tap into there, and I just thought the highlight reel – athleticism mixed with the awareness defensively would have been something that this team could have really used like like a really hyper aware and skilled help defender that can guard multiple positions and I love the thought of that and just pairing his athleticism next to miles would have been I think would have been really really special too I just think Clark is a is a tremendous player and he's going to be a value pick for whomever ends up taking him in the the first round here right we're, we're sitting at pick 17 as we record this, and Clark is still on the board. Uh, so he, I, I've heard you know rumors with him dropping down the draft boards, and it's just crazy to me to see a guy that has you know three blocks a game, uh, you know a lot of defensive upside that is still on the board at this point. You know I don't know. I guess the offensive game scared people off enough to know that uh, they didn't want to draft him inside the lottery. There were some you know rumors reports coming about that Charlotte was trying to trade this pick. What what do you think that uh, Cupcheck and MJ were trying to do? Do you think they were trying to trade back in the in the, you know the latter half of the first round to get multiple picks, or do you think they were trying to get off salary with this trade? Yeah, so I'm going to answer that in a second, Richie. I, I want to add real quick, and, and Brian, we've all talked about this a lot. 
because I see I, I'm kind of scrolling down Twitter here as we record, and I see a lot of we, we drafted Miles Bridges last year, you know, a six six wing, and now we're drafting another guy that projects as a power forward, maybe a wing in the NBA. What are we doing? You cannot have enough wing players in the NBA that can defend multiple positions. You can't. I know Brian is raising his arms in the air right now because I know we align in that in that thinking. Look at all the successful teams in the NBA. Look at the team that just won the NBA championship. Okay, they have a stable of guys that can defend at least two positions, if not three. Miles gives you that flexibility, certainly down the road. I think PJ Washington gives you the same thing. So when you think about it from that perspective, I think it makes this pick on, although not a sexy one. I think it may at least makes a little more sense. So I just wanted to throw that in there in terms of it's yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. No, I, I was going to say like, it's not the same thing as having two centers, right? It's not the same thing as having like two sub six foot three guards that like, you know, can't play defense. You know what I mean? Like these are guys that can, because of the versatility, they can cover multiple positions and do lots of things. So yeah, you can have a lot of them on, you can have more than one on the court. That's all I wanted to say. Go ahead and keep, sorry to interrupt you like that there. And here's my thing too. Like if, if you have problems with PJ Washington because of other aspects of his game, that's fine. But to bring up the argument that he's a clone of Miles Bridges, that that's where I think the argument kind of falters a little Agreed. bit. So, but yeah, go back Spencer to maybe the, the trading of the picks. What do you think the, the outcome was going to be if they did get off that? 12 yeah, I, I promise you I'm going to get there, Richie. I just want to make one more point on that, on this, you know, uh, positional overlap. The only negative, I think, is the lack of playmaking that that, for, that Miles and maybe PJ have, right? Like, I get it if if that's where you're coming from, it you know, with with you know, they're they're redundant because of all these different things. I get it that the lack of playmaking doesn't make a lot of sense on the defensive end of the floor. Makes a ton of sense. So, okay, I'm going to move on finally because I know we need to. Um, <laughs> uh, the, so, I do think Charles was trying to trade back. Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, w- when the tweets are coming out from Woj and, you know, all the people that are plugged in of what Charles trying to do, they certainly couldn't, couldn't have been trying to trade up at that point. So they were definitely trying to attach a salary to it. I mean, it, 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 this is the elephant in the room with any conversation we have about the Hornets, whether it be draft, free agency, trade, doesn't matter right now. Like the elephant in the room is we want to re-sign Kimball Walker. Okay, what does that take? Well, it doesn't take anything if you're willing to pay the tax because you, you own Kimball Walker's bird right. So but if you, we all know that that ain't happening, right? Like no cold day in hell here. Okay, so we're not we're not paying the tax. Jordan's not doing it. He's not going to start the season in the tax. So if he wants to re-sign Kimball Walker, he needs to get off of Marvin Williams, Cody Zeller, Michael Kidd, Gilchrist, uh, Nick Batum. I'm missing one other contract that's a little less you know less than desirable right now. He's got to get off one of those. It, it, when I crunch the numbers. You re-sign Kimba if you get a bargain, let's say 190 to $200 million, somewhere in that range. I would consider that a bargain. You need to get off anywhere from about $12 million to twenty. So that fits in the range of all those contracts that I just mentioned. They have to make that move, and that's, bef- that's assuming Jeremy Lamb isn't even, even coming back. Right. So that was 100% the plan with tr- trying to trade the 12th pick is trying to attach one of those salaries to it. And my guess would be it was Cody Zeller because that, that is probably the one desirable, you know, 15 something million. I don't have the sheet right in front of me, but you know, y- you could talk a team in that needed a center and thought we want to be semi-competitive next year. 
you could talk a team onto taking that and also saying, hey, come up to 12. You know, that, that, that would make some sense for some teams, but they couldn't get it done as the yeah. clock was ticking down. Zeller makes, uh, according to earlybirdrights.com, Zeller makes $14.5 million next season, and then in the 2020-2021 season, about $15.5 million before he hits unrestricted free agency for the first time in his career in 2021 that summer yeah you know this is one of those things when you think about that like if it if it was zeller and maybe bismack may have been the other salary you were you were thinking about as like the other it was like eight figures but uh but the thing i was gonna say about zeller is like this is where it maybe it really does cost some of the um you know we've seen in the last couple of seasons his health issues he's missed games and perhaps that's cost the Hornets a, a trip to the playoffs or two. Perhaps this 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 past season it, it, that that's the case. Um, and heck, you know, this is me just speculating wildly here, but maybe that scared off a team too because Zeller's good. You know, you you can if you're an opposing GM. Yeah, when if helping. you're an opposing GM, you can have your analytics team crunch numbers, and they're going to come up and say this dude is good at basketball, and he's good in a way that's functional and, and makes sense, and like is is good in the NBA in, in 2019 on, on as a two way rim running center. He's not perfect, but he's pretty good. And he doesn't make, you know, about 15 million. That's like an insane number for a starting center. The only problem is he plays, you know, he misses 45% of the games every year. And um, in the last three seasons, he's just hadn't been on the court when, when the Hornets have needed him. And so perhaps that really, really came back to bite the Hornets tonight. Um, but you know, that that's something we, we may not, we may never know, honestly. Right. Right. And I, I would agree with you guys. I think it, you know, had to be Zeller could have been MKG, uh, both of those players out of any of the players that have the undesirable contracts, so to speak, those would be the only ones that I think that would have appeal around the league. And, uh, like Spencer was stating, like you, we're going to have to get off money, uh, unless we're not re-signing Kemba, but I think that's kind of the plan here. And I don't know how low you can go with Kemba in terms of, especially this first year. Uh, I crunched some numbers too as well, Spencer. And even if you gave him $29 million, uh his first year, which I no think I, to me, I wouldn't pay him $29 million, but to me that's a reasonable number. That puts us $1 million below the tax yeah. line, and that's not even including – the draft picks. Yeah. So there's a lot that's got to happen between and now and that's then. probably also not including Jeremy Lamb, yeah. right? Like you're probably renouncing oh, his rights too. So. I renounced him. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So, yeah. I mean, you're absolutely right, Richie. Like you, you can you can be a cap guy and and sit in front of a calculator all day. Okay. You can do that and and, and proclaim that you're now a GM at the NBA, but you're not going to come up with a situation where number one, the Hornets aren't uh-huh. capped out or in quote unquote cap hell unless. Kimba Walker walk and unless yeah. he leaves. Okay. And you, you can say, oh yeah, but 2021 or excuse me, 21, 22 season, go look at those cap bucks. See, it looks better then. Okay. Get, remember Kimba Walker's gonna be 31 yeah. years old then. Okay. Don't forget that. So, and he's going to be making 40 million plus dollars. So good luck putting a, a competent roster around yeah. that. Okay. So um, the last thing I want to say about Washington, cause I know we got to go. is just a really quick point is that I think it's important to be really athletic in this league. I think we see it all over the place. And what the Hornets did do with this pick is they got – and what they did with Miles last year, they got more athletic. Mm-hmm. And they got more athletic on, on the wing, as I stated earlier, and BG said it, on the wing where th- this guy can guard multiple positions. Getting more athletic is really important – especially when you're talking about plugging young players into a pipeline. You, you think he's athletic? He doesn't jump off the screen to me as athletic. Maybe switchable, but like he's a below-the-rim player to me. 
I don't think he's not athletic. Well, I mean, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sitting here telling you he's a yeah. nuclear athlete by any stretch of the imagination. He's not Miles Bridges. There's no question, no. but he is an athlete. He's a versatile athlete. And I think that, that, um, maybe I should have phrased it a different way, but I, I don't think he's a bad athlete at yeah. all. 30, 33 dunks this season, close to 5% block rate. You know, you can see some, you could, the, the, these are some of these sort of like periphery numbers that you can look at and say like, yeah, for for a guy who is six six posting those numbers, yeah, there's probably a little a little bit of functional athleticism to him, you know. And heck, we'll see, you know, get into um, you know, we'll start working with an NBA uh, strength and conditioning program, training staff, uh, you know, improved diet, et cetera. You know, maybe there's even some some more athleticism to uh, to unlock as well, and some versatility to unlock with uh, with PJ Washington. Alrighty guys, so this was just kind of our, our reaction to the 12th overall pick with PJ Washington. I think Spencer and Brian are a little bit higher on him than I am. Um, again, we stated it multiple times. It, it's not a sexy pick, uh, but this is going to be a player that comes in right away and have translatable skills. Yes, it is boring. Yes, he plays pretty much a similar position as Miles Bridges, but that's not always a bad thing. Uh, the Hornets also have the 36th pick and the 52nd pick as we are speaking now that could change between now and then. But uh, thanks again for tuning in to another episode. Be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at BuzzBeatPod and visit BlueWirePods.com for more great content. For Spencer, for Brian, I am Richie. We'll see you guys next time. Go Hornets! Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.